rootslandnation.com Wear your culture. 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 Yo, Enrique, you know, see the sexy girl with the black wig and body rider model for you. What you talking about, Willis? Which girl? No way. Come oh, on. What you mean? You must be blind. The one in the red boots and wig? No, no way. She look right at you. Oh, she's smoking. There's no way she's looking. No, she'll call you over. No, I'm not going over there. Please. C- come on. You sure you don't know her? Me? I don't know. Bumbo cloth, Enrique. You need weave to help break the ice. I don't need you to break the ice. God knows what you're going to break. All right, I'll head over there. Just cool out, guys. I'm going to go over there on my own. The guy's right, just misgoverned the world. Broadcasting live and direct from the rolling red hills on the outskirts of Kingston, Jamaica. From a magical place at the intersection of words, sound, and power. The red light is on. Your dial is set. The frequency in tune to the Rootsland podcast. Stories that are music to your ears. By the early 90s, the impact of dancehall music was being felt everywhere. Seemed unstoppable. Following in the footsteps of the legendary King Yellow Man, ghetto artists like Shaba Ranks, Buju Bantan, Beanie Man, Mad Cobra, started fanning out across the globe, bringing with them a taste of dancehall culture, a raw, unfiltered lifestyle, born and nurtured in Jamaica's slums and tenement yards. The intensity of the music and energy of the performances captured the imagination of urban and suburban kids with a glimpse into Kingston's gritty street life. But the DJs and singers... They weren't the only ones that dancehall fans were flocking to see on this Raga Roadshow. And in many cases, the artists themselves weren't even the main attraction of the night. As popular as these Jamaican rappers were, with their rapid-fire profanity-laced lyrics, the fact that they were delivered in the island's local patois meant that very few people outside Jamaica could actually understand the songs, unless it was a combination with a singer or it had the occasional catchy hook. This presented a major challenge to the evolution of dancehall, an obstacle that the slower, more easily understood roots reggae never had, a language barrier. If dancehall was going to have the same international success as its counterpart reggae, it needed a way to deliver the message of the music without words. Some way to express the mood, that feeling of aggression, Competition, struggle, and then release. The very same feelings that allowed dancehall to let people forget their troubles and get lost in the rhythm, even if it was just for one night. Enter stage left, the dancehall girls, led by their queen. They've come to save the kingdom. Just as the genre had reached a crossroads, this crucial moment that saw its impending demise, where dancehall had been labeled a violent, homophobic, abusive music, and Jamaican artists were being dropped from major recording labels due to public pressure. 
That's when the dancehall girls arrived on the scene. At just the right time, with just the right formula of female energy and overt sexuality, they brought joy, passion, fun back to the street dances of Kingston. And make no mistake about it, without this group of daring, determined, trailblazing dancers, street choreographers, performers and fashionistas, I'm sure dancehall would have been extinct by the end of the 1990s. Dancing saved dancehall. And I just don't mean dancing. I mean gyrating, pulsating, head-top spinning, sexually suggestive, acrobatic movements that make the Cirque du Soleil look like a PGA charity dance. Moves that are still groundbreaking, 30 years later. Amazingly enough, choreographed by girls from marginalized communities with no formal dance training or experience, who by day rehearsed in the hot, cramped, unventilated gullies and trenches of the inner cities, and by night dreamed of dancing their way out. Dancing became a form of female empowerment for Jamaica's underprivileged, neglected young women, a way for them to reclaim their sexuality, their individuality, show the world that they decided what to wear, how to move, who controls their bodies, and what was born out of an expression of pent-up anger and frustration became a pop culture phenomenon. People from all over the world traveled to Kingston's most violent areas to attend these ghetto dances. They wanted to see firsthand the dancers as much as they wanted to hear the music. It was becoming evident that these dancehall divas were just as popular, as sought after, and earning as much money as their male counterparts. Dance clashes were as common as sound clashes as crews from rival communities would showcase the latest moves, competing for bragging rights and valuable cash prizes, money that was useful, and they reinvested back into themselves, into their hairstyles, into their clothing, provocative outfits that were barely their go-go-inspired dancewear, worn for both style and practicality. Created by amateur aspiring designers, from the same inner-city communities, with such care, innovation, and creativity that many of the styles are still popular today and have actually shown up in the collections of major fashion houses. Then one night in 1991, at an uptown versus downtown fashion clash at the Cactus Cafe in Portmore, a local girl from a working-class family would take dancehall culture to the next level. And 30 years after Jamaica gained independence from the crown, there was a coronation of a new queen, the dancehall queen. In 1991, Jamaica's top fashion models were challenged to a catwalk contest by a group of local dancehall girls, led by the self-titled queen of the dancehalls, Carleen Smith. The rather less restrained talents of the local girls won the day. Instead of walking the ramp real delicate and sophisticated, I rolled down it and whined, and we won. Portmore is a densely populated community, located about 15 minutes west of Kingston, along the south coast, home to Helsher Beach, one of my favorite chill spots in town. It's where tourists and locals can enjoy sunshine, the cool ocean breeze, and some of the sweetest lobster you ever tasted. 
caught fresh and fried up on iron skillets right there on the beach. Portmore is also home to some of Kingston's most violent gangs that control the vast housing schemes that were constructed decades ago over the reclaimed swamps and marshes. And while Portmore is one of the largest urban areas on the island, in many ways it feels like a small town. And like any other small town, news travels fast. Carlene Smith is a light-skinned, soft-spoken girl next door, with a gentle smile, platinum wig, and God-given curves that even today couldn't be replicated with plastic surgery. With a glowing stage presence and the ability to move her body with confidence, control, command, Carlene was destined to be dancehall royalty. That show in Portmore at the Cactus Cafe was billed as an uptown versus downtown fashion clash, where Carlene and her crew of downtown dancehall girls would compete against a group of the island's top models, including a Jamaican contestant for Miss World. The clash was part fashion show, part pose-off, and part theater, with each side getting their chance to walk the ramp and show off their modeling skills and techniques for an audience that would also judge the event. Now you have to understand, the contest was rigged. In Jamaica, most fashion models, pageant contestants, were the tall, lean, pampered daughters of the islands rich and beautiful, trained from childhood to be beauty queens. They were afforded dance lessons, sent to finishing schools, had nutritionists and private chefs. These were seasoned models, ringers. So this clash was more or less supposed to be a joke. To think these unrefined girls from the ghetto and working-class families could compete on the same stage as these professionals, like the basketball team that always plays and loses against the Harlem Globetrotters. But every once in a while, they pull out a win. As predicted, the uptown models sashayed down the makeshift runway, like they were auditioning for Paris Fashion Week. By the book... Shoulders back, heads held high, noses tilted up. These were untouchable beauties in unaffordable outfits. The out-of-touch children of -of out-of-touch parents. And that's just what Carlene and her crew was counting on. You see, instead of emulating the uptown models, acting all prim and proper, trying to be something they weren't, the downtown models decided they were going to throw out the rule book and flip the script. Give the Cactus Cafe a taste of what was really happening on the Kingston streets. So adorned in their risque dancehall attire, in contrast to the uptown girl's formal wear, dancehall Carlene gyrates her way down the ramp, her hips rotating in perfect time to the choppy syncopated drum beat. She stops midway, effortlessly dropping down in a split position. The audience erupts with excitement. And then while on the ground, she bounces her bottom against the stage like a basketball. And with the agility of a gymnast, springs back to her feet without missing a beat. The crowded cactus goes ballistic. Not the fashion show they were expecting. News of Carlene's antics spread like wildfire. And from that night, she was crowned the first dance hall queen. 
She became an instant celebrity, was everywhere. Music videos, live concerts, breaking all kinds of barriers. She signed endorsement deals with banks, clothing designers, alcohol companies, even a condom brand. It was a Cinderella story that resonated with ordinary Jamaican people, and for very good reason. You know, when Carlene Smith decided to throw out that rule book at that uptown versus downtown fashion clash and do her own thing, it resulted in a small victory for her downtown crew. But whether she realized it or not, her actions had much more significant implications. In fact, it was a Rosa Parks moment for dancehall and ghetto culture that was no longer relegated to the back of the bus. Dancehall now had a front row seat. And now that the corporations had a taste, they wanted it all. After all the parties, the stage shows, the whining and dining, at around 2 a.m. on Thursday nights in Kingston, a who's who of reggae and dancehall arrive at the local hotspot, House of Leo, on Cargill Road in Halfway Tree, for the late-night set of the Stone Love Sound System. Tiger, Terry Ganzi, Buju Banton, Rock the Airwaves, Carlene and Bogle rule the dance floor. Harris was our designated driver and had my back, so by 4 a.m., I was a few red stripes into the night, which is why I had the courage to approach the lady in red. The bangs from her wig covered her eyes, adding an air of mystery. But honestly, I couldn't see anything but that outfit. The red vinyl thigh-high go-go boots, matching short shorts and halter top. Her body was tight in tone and shimmered with sweat. She was sipping on a wine cooler, with her hips rotating in a circle, like she was spinning an invisible hula hoop. My head was spinning in a circle, just watching her. The strobe lights were flashing, and the music was pounding as I made my way across the dance floor. Felt like a high school geek asking out one of the cheerleaders. After all, the dance hall girls were the popular crowd. A-listers at any party. The lady in red came into focus. The curves of her body. The shape of her face. The contour of her lips were unmistakable. This wasn't just any dancehall girl. This was my dancehall girl. It was Sia. Come here. You, yes, come here. So, Henry, you came over here real quick. What, you know of, who I was? You, how do you mean, of course? You recognize me? <sighs> what do you mean? Of course I recognized you, please. There's no come way on. you recognize me in this outfit. You think I wouldn't please. recognize you? Come on. No. You are coming over here to flirt with a stranger. But you do look uh, different. That's a quite an outfit you got there, see? Yeah, we're just coming from a fashion show. Me and my friends. A fashion show? How'd it, it go? Tore up the show. I bet. I bet you did. I bet you did. Oh why? You like the outfit? I, I'd say so. We were modeling them tonight. The designer loaned it to me. Oh, uh, just a loan. Too bad. So, have you been seeing anybody? I was planning on asking out dancehall Carlene if she breaks up with Beanie Man, but, you know. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Dancehall Carlene? I was thinking about so, it. she's more your type than Fleet. me? Uh, see ya. Okay. To me, 
There's only one dancehall queen. That's corny, but sweet. You know, Henry, I really miss you. I miss you too. You gonna be around later? Can I stop by? Well, that all depends. On what? Will the designer let you hold on to that outfit tonight? Please. Maybe if I had a choice and a time machine, I would have lived and worked in Jamaica in the 60s or 70s, the golden age of roots reggae, the days of Marley and Tosh, of Studio One and Beach Street, when the music was just blossoming like a flower and the world was just awakening to its beauty, its majesty. But as it happened... I moved to Kingston in 1991, the dawn of dance hall. Not my first choice, but looking back, other than the Marley era, I can't really think of another time the island had a bigger impact on mainstream music. And probably no other time I would have enjoyed myself more. The days of Tiger and Bogle, Beanie Man and Carlene, Ninja motorcycles burning rubber at Kingston Street dances. Dancehall-like reggae evolved into a lifestyle, bigger than the music. A brand that crosses borders, transcends race, religion. After all, it was the 90s dancehall beat that was responsible for spawning both reggaeton and afrobeat. And even today, the dancing, the fashion, the styles are pop culture staples. And they're every step of the way, the dancehall girls. The uncredited, unheralded, unrewarded heroines of the music. I know because my girlfriend Sia was in the inner circle. Her friends, her family, her crew were the dancers, designers, promoters at the epicenter of the dancehall bashment movement. I personally watched these young women help carry the music and culture through the darkest times, clean up its image, give the artists and genre hope when radio stations were banning dancehall and clubs had crowds gathering outside protesting Jamaican performers. These bold trendsetters paved the way for female MCs to later shatter the industry's glass ceiling. Artists like Patra, Lady Saw, Tanya Stevens, even up until now with Spice, Shensia, and Caribbean superstars Nicki Minaj and Rihanna. That original generation of dancehall girls poured as much blood, sweat, and tears into the music as any artist, sacrificed their bodies, their innocence, and when they were no longer youthful, no longer served their purpose, they were cast out like an outdated stage prop or worn-out article of clothing. They came from inner cities and small towns, overcame enormous odds to reach as far as they had, yet were so ill-prepared for what they would have to endure once they reached the top. The corrupt promoters, unscrupulous managers, sexist and misogynistic behavior that at times would cross over into outright abuse. Still, Nothing stopped these girls from stepping on stage, night after night, transfixing the audience, transporting the crowd to another stratosphere 
Most of the girls were dealt pretty lousy hands in life, came from places that lacked opportunities, where society didn't expect much. Yet, that didn't stop them from trying to scrape together a better life for themselves, build a community that looked out for each other, an extended family of dancers, of models, of stylists and shop owners, makeup artists and designers. A few like Carlene were lucky enough to make it out, get that big house up in the hills. Most were not as fortunate. The system broke them before they had a chance to really live. But regardless of fame or fortune, success or failure, whether they wore that crown or not, every single one of them, including my little Sia, they're all dance hall queens for life. and please support our show by downloading the Rootsland original soundtrack available on Amazon, iTunes, or wherever you purchase music. So join the Roots Gang on Rootsland. Yes, Rasta.